Wednesday night. Thank you all for being here. And this past Sunday, we were just talking amongst ourselves here before we started up on the podcast, uh, you know, that it was a very involved sermon uh, this past Sunday. We're going to go back through some of that. Uh, here is my notes for, for this past Sunday. That's my notes. I got Matthew 13 up top, and I got one, two, three, four, four lines. That's my notes for Sunday. And one day after, this lady sitting out here, I don't want to say her name, and she brings me the very next day, after fussing at me for going into so much detail, and, and I deserved every bit of it. I deserve to be fussed at. And look at all this. Nine pages, I think. Nine pages of notes just from writing or remembering what was said for that 45 minutes. Oh, yeah, a lot of it's Scripture. There's, there's a few pages in here where it's almost all Scripture, and it's maybe three lines of what she wrote down. So, yeah, a lot of it is Scripture. But I'm just amazed at how much somebody could get out of a 45-minute sermon that I had four sentences wrote down for my notes, and she can come up with this. It's, I'm very impressed. And it helped. It, it really helps me. And, there, there, and, I, and I misspoke in one area. Uh, I got ahead. But we're going to go over it. We're gonna, I'm going to say some things. There's some things where that, that could be misunderstood. When I'm in a hurry, my words aren't exactly the way they're supposed to be. I mess up on, on uh, speaking, and I've noticed that words that rhyme could, you know, could be, it could be heard wrong. So I was going through this, and I, I wanted to touch on a couple things that I caught. We might have some spaces that you'll just have to close up as I'm looking through this. All right. So it was in... uh, So there's 70... I just want to make sure you understand. 70 weeks of seven years. Okay, we're in the last week which we are not in the last week now. The last week will be, will be when the tribulation starts. So we're in the in-between time where Jesus was, was about ready to make his triumphal entry. Well, he did. He made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. They were hail to the king, Hosanna, uh, you know, laying down the palm leaves, and they were accepting of him, and then all of a sudden, everything changes, and the kingdom of heaven is taken by force. Okay? It, it, it stops the Jewish time period that's talked about in Daniel chapter 9, and we are in this mystery age, the church age, the body of Christ. All right, when, we say, when I say church age... And I, and I like the way uh, this note taker writes. It, uh, she'll put in a capital C 
So you'll understand that that is Christendom. The big, the big church organization compared to the real church, which is the body of Christ. Okay? So you got to make that distinction there. you gotta, you got to see. So, right, and I want, you, I want to make sure you understand that the, those seven years that are going to complete it could start any time, but it's going to be when the church age ends. Then the last seven years will be completed in what's called the tribulation period. After that seven years is done... That's when Jesus will come again for the second advent and he will set up his earthly kingdom and and he will sit on the throne of David for a thousand years, okay? I'm sorry? Anybody, yeah, because we will be raptured out seven years before, so saints will be coming back with him. So that's Revelation. That's uh, so. Yeah, we'll we'll be with him. All right. Let me get back when. Okay. Now the times of the Gentiles, the time of the Gentiles, that started politically with the Babylonian captivity. The time of the Gentiles will end at the rapture. Now, the church age, the body of Christ, the dispensation of grace, that began when Israel lost their spiritual sovereignty at the crucifixion. The temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., and then pretty much everything had fallen apart for the nation of Israel by 135 A.D., All right, we're, all right, believers, when I, when I was talking about believers are born again into the kingdom, they're, in the, they're born into the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of heaven, but the, they're born again. Uh, Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless a person be born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is what nation of Israel is waiting on, and we are baptized into the body of Christ, so it would be that it would be the the little C church, not the big C church. The big C is yeah, right. So it's I just want to make sure everybody understands. Okay. So the spiritual church you're saying is the big C. Okay. So that's the real church, the spiritual church. So I, I it's just in the notes here. I'm just trying to figure it out as as long. Uh, just like you are. We're trying to figure, make sure we're on the same page here. So just remember you got Christendom, and then we've got the body of Christ, which is the church. We're called the church because we're part of the body of Christ. So make sure you understand that. We're baptized into the body of Jesus. What's that? Christendom is the whole... Just imagine the Roman Catholic Church, all the Protestant churches, the Mormon Church, the Jehovah Witnesses claim to be Christian, the, uh, there's just all kinds of cults, and the Christian science, and all these people are part of Christendom. There are real 
true Christians in Christendom. But in my opinion, it's not that many compared to all the ones that are false teachers, false preachers, false prophets. It's a whole lot more of the bad in Christendom. That's the big tree that grew from the mustard seed. It goes against nature, and the church has spread out and become huge. And if you go back to Daniel and go back to Nebuchadnezzar and the dream of the big tree that spread all over the place, and then remember, it got cut down, and it, but the, the root was still there, and then it grew back. So you can go back to Daniel and, and get even more out of that. I don't want to go, go into that too much right now. And I, I think that's Daniel 3, if I remember right. Okay. The, uh, the pearl. The church. All right, the pearl, the pearl, and the, the parable of the pearl of great price The sea represents Gentile peoples, the rest, you know, everybody else all over the world. The sea represents the Gentiles, getting to the Gentiles. S-E-A, oceans, yes, thank you. Yep, always, if you have any kind of, anything like that helps. Now, as far as the, uh, the wheat and the tares was the other one. The wheat and the tares. The wheat, in that parable of the wheat and the tares, the wheat is individual people that are sons of God. They're true believers. That's the wheat. Now, what the... Uh, I want to make sure you understand what I was saying about the, uh, the, the roots of the wheat. They're, they're, they're not real big, and as, as the wheat grows and matures and is ready for harvest, the, wheat, the roots have dwindled, and it's ready to fall over. And, and remember, the wheat is us. So we are on this earth. We're in the world but we're not of the world. We're supposed to be heavenly beings. We, we are born again, we live a Christian life, and we're on our way to heaven, right? Now, the people who are carnally minded that love this world and they're fascinated by the world, they want to save it, they, want, they do everything they can to preserve it because they're hoping that somebody will finally come up with a way where you'll live forever, They'll cure all diseases, and they won't die, and they really want to take care of this earth because they need a place to live forever. They're scared of dying and going wherever they may go. You know, there's a story of this man who was about ready to die, and he had a lot of money, so he had his wife packed a suitcase full of his money, and he said, go up in the attic and put it right up above the bed here. And one day he passed, and she thought, oh, yeah. So she ran up in the attic, and she looked over there, and the suitcase was still there with all the money. And she's like, oh, dear, maybe I should have put it in the basement. <sighs> so people are wondering where they're going. 
true believers, wheat, we're, we're loosening up our grip on the soil. So I think this note taker <laughs> was talking about how the church in general is, is leaving, our roots are not grounded in the Word and all that stuff, and that is true as well. You know, look at the churches, and this, this organization that we're in has fallen away. I was at Scripture Truth yesterday. I was looking for a birthday present for somebody, and they were out of them. I mean, they had all the, they were all there before, and the lady, it was a lady working there, a young, younger lady, and I, so I asked her, I said, where did the, uh, this particular book go? And she's like, oh, there might be some in the back, and she went back and come back, oh, we, we sold out. I'm like, wow, but they'll be here next week, and I went, awesome. I got to go back. This is working out really well. So I'm there, and a guy is in there, and he's going around, and he's got this whole armload of books, and he's gone to the back, and he's got some old ones. And he asked if he bought a book that I had just bought recently, I say recently, several months ago. And, and the guy checking him out was going, oh, wow, talking to Jason, do you, do you realize we had this in the back? And I went, I, I, yeah, y'all had two of them. I got the other one, and now he's got the other, this one. So y'all are out of them now. But it's from back in the 70s, 60s. And uh, this guy asked me, he said, so are you a pastor? I'm like, yeah. And he asked me where. <laughs> uh, so I had to, and I said, we're leaving the whatever denomination. And he said, wonder why. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's uh, I had a good conversation with him. It was a good trip. It was a real good trip. But I spent too much money. But it was no di- I, I spent $111 at the gas pump on Saturday, and I did the same thing yesterday at Scripture Truth, exactly the same dollar amount. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I just put that in my gas tank a couple days ago. The tares are not just unbelievers in general, okay? When you look at the parable... It says, an enemy has sown his seed. Think about Judas. He was the son of perdition. Remember that Simon character who wanted to buy the gifts? He wanted to buy uh, this ability to be able to heal and all that. And uh, I think it was, might have been Peter who said, as one of the disciples said, uh, your money perish with you, you know, he was a professing Christian follower of Jesus. He was one who was out with them doing all these miracles, but he wasn't truly, he was, he was like a tear. He was, the devil used him, had him right in the middle of all the good people who were truly disciples, just like Judas Iscariot. He was right there with them all. He sat at the table. He had the Last Supper with all of them. Why didn't Jesus pluck him out of there before? There was a purpose for it. So a tear is really those people. So they would be people who are pastors of liberal churches would be a tear, which is, when I say a tear... That is a weedy, grass-like plant 
like a, I think they also call it a darnel. Is that right? And it was, it's a poisonous plant, which is perfect type and picture. The, the devil plants his people, the people he's already got, and he'll put them right in the middle of something like what we have going on here, and we won't be able to tell the difference. But there'll be poison in them. And all I can do is warn you against it. You you need you you will know them by their fruit. Eventually, they'll be they'll because that plant it is eventually going to go to seed. So it would confuse the wheat and the tares will confuse the best gardener until it goes to seed, and then any little kid with no experience can tell them apart. They'll eventually be found out. Now, there's all kinds of unbelievers out there that are not put in place by the devil. They're just doing their thing. And we can, technically, they're, they're worshiping Satan because they're not worshiping Christ. You can make that argument, but they're just, they, in their minds, they're just neutral. They don't want one or the other. They would never go to a, a, a Satan-worshiping church, which there's plenty of them out there now. But they don't want to come to a God-fearing church either. They just consider themselves neutral. And those are the ones that we minister to. It's, and we don't, and I'm not going to not minister to a person that I think might be a tear. I don't know for sure. It's not for me to judge. I'm going to minister to them just like I would anybody else and hoping that their heart can be changed. The other thing, which I think we'll just go ahead and touch on it, uh, the, uh, when I, I was talking about Thyatira, and when I w- was reading this, these notes that that person gave me, it said something about in Thyatira, that's when the Reformation started. And I'm like, no, you know, that, that's Sardis. Then I listened to it. And I said it. So that's where I misspoke. That's what got it going as far as the corruption to where Martin Luther nailed the 95 Thesis on the door. That was Thyatira running over into Sardis. But the, all right, so I know this is not making sense to you. It's probably not making sense to hardly anybody unless you know the seven churches really well. So I, I think we'll just read through that. Quick. So if you want to follow along, go to uh, Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, and I, there's seven different churches that are spoken of here. I did a message on this. I, I, was, uh, I, I did a, a whole sermon on this up here a long time ago when I was just filling in. And it, 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 was, it, was, it was really good. I think our former pastor was was supposed to be gone or something, but then ended up not, and because they already scheduled me, they went ahead and let me do it, and then there was somebody, I think it was uh, Janice over here who was sick and had made mention of, uh, would like to hear him preach, would like to, you know, and it just happened to happen, if I remember correctly. The first church is Ephesus. So I'm going to go ahead and read through this, and I'm just going to touch on, the, on certain points of each one, 
and try to help you explain. Not only do we have all the dispensations through time, we're in the dispensation of grace right now, and there's actually seven different dispensations, and there's seven churches that represent the different ages of just the dispensation of grace. All these seven churches right here, that's what they're representing. They're, they're breaking down the dispensation, the church age, what we're in right now, that's been going on for 2,000 years, this is breaking down that into seven. So we're in one of the seven dispensations, and now this is breaking down it into seven. Oh, the pearl of great price, the pearl comes out of the ocean. The Gentiles are out of the ocean. Okay, or you go to the ocean to get to the Gentiles. Revelation 2121 talks about, and that's the only thing that's in my notes for tonight. I had to make make notes for tonight. Revelation 2121. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. And that's some pure gold right there. You can see through it. So how do you get into heaven? you got to go through one of these 12 gates, evidently, and they're, each one is a pearl. So I think that's pretty interesting. And it's also 2121. I think that's cool, too. 3 times 7, and then 3 times 7. 3 times, you know, 3, three is a very important number, so is 7. So, all right, back to Revelation 2, the first church is Ephesus. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. It's all of these start with a description of Jesus. Jesus is actually saying these things, and he's saying it about himself. And this, uh, the seven golden candlesticks are the churches. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. We should have this uh, sense about us that we, when evil happens that we don't like it at all because we're children of God. We're not children of the devil. Children of the devil, they like those things. We don't. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Now, this right here, talking about Ephesus, is the very beginning of the church age. Each and every person who is born again, they're at the beginning of their Christian walk. This represents them. This represents the church then, and it represents each one of us when we are first born again. We're new Christians walking in faith. We've got to be careful not to leave our first love. That's why I keep going back to Jesus all the time. It's all about Jesus. Don't get too far away from him. 
Don't get too caught up in all the other things and get yourself pulled away from Jesus. Get back to him all the time. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. So if you, if, you, if, you have lo- if you've turned away from your first love, which is Jesus, and you're going after other things, you need to turn and go back. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Jesus hates this, Nicolaitan. Now you can search this high and low, and you'll have a really hard time coming up with a good answer. But notice the laitan and you, you heard the term laity. This is what I really believe it means. Nica would be to lord over or to have power over. So the Nicolaitans would, would basically come up with this idea of having clergy that's up here and then all the commoners. Now, if, if this was to continue on, this Nicolaitan-type doctrine... If it's to continue on, you might end up with something like a pope and a bunch of priests and then the common people who don't understand the Bible. If it, you know, if it continued on, which it does. You know that. Okay, so, the, so he, Jesus hates this thing. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Wow, that is awesome. Now, the second church that's spoken of is Smyrna. That, is, that right there is, you, see the, you can see myrrh in there. What was myrrh used for? It was one of the gifts that was brought to Jesus. Why? Because he was going to die on a cross one day, and that's what you do to anoint the dead bodies. This was severe persecution after the initial church started. There was severe persecution that caused people to run for their lives, and they went all over the place. And that's where somebody might say that that leaven uh, in uh, Matthew 13, that parable of the leaven, that the gospel, you get it here and there, and then it just spreads. Well, that's that's not what it was talking about. I, I think I made that very clear. Leaven, or yeast... That's what yeast is. Uh, leaven is, is always bad in Scripture. So <clears throat> persecution caused people to go out and spread the gospel in other areas. So Smyrna, the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last. Sound familiar? The first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. Which was dead... And is alive. That's Jesus. He, he died on the cross, but now he's alive. He's risen. I know thy works. So, so why would that be in there? Why would Jesus say something like that? Because these people were dying for their faith. And they were looking forward to a day when they would be resurrected. So why have fear? Stand up for God. Be persecuted. Be put to death if, if you have to with a smile on your face like Stephen had. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. They had nothing, but they had treasure in heaven like crazy. 
And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. A synagogue is their place of worship, but it had become the synagogue of Satan. He had taken it over. For none of those things which thou shalt suffer, behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Now, that, that's, if I got into that into big detail, that would be, you would see some of the leaders of the Roman Empire, and it ended up being ten of them in a row that crushed the nation of Israel. They, they persecuted severely. So that ten days is reference to that. After the tenth one, it came to a stop, and that's when we get down to the very next one here in Pergamos, and, and I'll explain it when I get there. Ten days, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Pretty cool, huh? All right, now the next one is Pergamos. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. Rightly dividing the word of truth. The sharp two-edged sword. That's Jesus' tongue. That's his mouth. That's what he speaks out of his mouth. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. What? These, these Christians that he's talking to, these people that are believers, they're right in amongst where Satan's seat is. Satan is ruling. I don't know if this is... Uh, Constantine, he claimed to be a Christian, but he's the one who stopped all the persecution. After that tenth one, that tenth uh, Caesar or whatever you want to call them, those rulers of Rome, when it, Constantine said, enough. The more we persecute them, the more they're going out and spreading the gospel. And he learned a trick from the devil, Balaam, the, the, the doctrine of Balaam, and stop fighting them and just go in amongst them and ruin them from the inside. So what happened was the true church started to co-mingle with the world. And Constantine did it all. That was his plan. And he said, we can, just, we can, we can mess it up from within. So he started combining pagan holidays with Jewish uh, holy days and start getting them all messed up. You'd end up with something like Easter. Oh, yeah. Easter. Bunny rabbits, multiplying like bunny rabbits. Easter eggs. Eggs, a sign of uh, for, you know, fertility and, and producing. So they would, the pagans would honor these fertility gods, and that's what Easter came from. Now, we as Christians, we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. But back then, the, what, there was an Easter holiday. It was a pagan holiday, and it got brought in so we can all get along. And everybody got along fine, and the church started to be corrupted. It's marrying the world, being unequally yoked with worldly things and Christian things and pulling them together. Everybody lives happily ever after for a little while, and then things get bad. 
So he says, Satan's seat is actually there. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. There it is. That's exactly what Constantine did. He used the doctrine of Balaam, and I would... I would love to jump over to Numbers and go through that. That's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's awesome. So that's the, that's the story of the talking donkey. Balaam, he could not curse Israel directly because God said, no, they're a blessed people. And eventually he figured out he would go to the king Balak and said, because Balak was ready to give him a whole lot of money, and Balaam wanted that money. And he had to come up with a way to get it. But he couldn't go against what God said and curse him directly. So he just showed Balak how to, the, the pretty ladies, just introduce them to those people in the desert, that, that nation of Israel. They'll marry them, and then they'll bring in their idols, and they'll start messing them up from the inside. God will have to deal with them then. You don't even have to. God will take care of it for you. All right, so that's the doctrine of Balaam. Who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols? Well, why would they do that? I already explained it to you. And to commit fornication. Why would they do that? That's part of idolatry. Uh, the fornication. That worshiping the fertility goddess. That would involve fornication. All right, so now this is the third one in, right? The third church. So what was the deeds of the Nicolaitans over here in the first church of Ephesus? Now listen to what has happened by the third. So thou hast, so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. So it went from they were doing some deeds, now they actually made this thing that Jesus hates into a doctrine that they're teaching, which thing I hate, this thing of the Nicolaitans. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. The sword of his mouth, that was the two-edged sword at the very beginning. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and and the stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. So you know, you know when you are truly born again, you know that you got this white garment. Your name has been written in the in the book of life, and the hidden manna. Uh, that would be you know you're eating up what what did he just say? He said, sharp sword with two edges. And he said, the sword of his mouth and this hidden manna. Manna is what they ate. You need to be eating the Word of God. It's different than any other book you'll ever have. Now, this Nicolaitan thing that has become a doctrine, it brings in the Thyatira church. In my opinion, Thyatira, rep- I mean, the, the uh, Roman Catholic Church fits it perfectly. <clears throat> and 
And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath eyes like unto a flame of fire. His feet are like fine brass. I know thy work, so he's ready to come back. I mean, he, this is really getting him worked up. He's wanting to come back and stomp this thing out. I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. Now, what, I, what did I say this past Sunday? You know, I said something bad about the Roman Catholic Church, but then I said, but look at all the great things they've done. That's it right here. The hospitals all over the world that they have set up, and it was back when they were first set up, it was free. I mean, you, you went off to war, you got injured, they brought you back, they sent you to a hospital, and, and they took care of you. <clears throat> the orphanages, the schools, all the things that the Roman Catholic Church did, they did some amazing things. And they, the Roman Catholic Church put out one of the most awesome ladies ever to walk this earth, Mother Teresa. She was, she was awesome. I love her. Um, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Turn away from it. So if you are in fellowship with that type of church, what they call church, you're, you're committing adultery with Jezebel, with that woman who taught. Okay, and I, uh, this, this statement is... is, is Interesting. And I will kill her children with death. I will kill her children with death. Okay. Sounds funny, but troubling at the same time. But And all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts, and the hearts I will give unto every one of you according to your works, but unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold, which, that ye, ha, ye have a, already hold fast, hang on to it tight, till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works... Unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father, and I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And he had no encouraging words to go along with that at the end. All right, so here in the, the next one, the fifth one, is Sardis. Now, this is where the Reformation happens. So just because I said one wrong thing on Sunday, we've gone through all this, just to get to here. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, and know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. So, 
they think they're living, they think they're doing the right thing, but they're just as dead as what they came out of. That's the Reformation. So, the great things Martin Luther did, even though he did that, the Protestant looked like they were doing it right. They, they called out the Catholic Church and all the bad things they were doing, and then they ended up, when they got away from it, ended up going back into some of the same things they got away from. we got to be careful, too. We think that we're doing right. We've nailed up our 95 thesis on the door, and we're, we're moving away from ungodly things. Are we going to get away from that and go right into messing up again? Or are we going to stick to the Word of God and do things right no matter what? <clears throat> Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. So the, as great as the Reformation was, Protestantism, uh, being protesting against the Catholic, as great as that was, they, they just didn't have it right. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If, thou, if, there thou, if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments." and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So we've got some great people who came out of the Reformation that kept us straight. We look back on them. I got some of their books. I, I, I love them. So we've got some really good ones that really held, held, held the faith. He that, com- he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Over and after, at the end of all of these, an ear to hear. Pray that God opens up your ears and you hear. Okay, the next church is Philadelphia. And that's the one that... Uh, we have a city in our, our nation that's named Philadelphia. That, that city was... Key to our independence. A lot of great things happened in Philadelphia. I don't want to go there today, but it's got a lot of good history. There's a couple places in Philadelphia I would love to go to if they could just sneak me in and put me there and then get me out. The Church of Brotherly Love. Now, during this age of Philadelphia, uh, a lot of really good things happened. The Great Awakenings happened the first and the second, and the, all these really good people. Uh, George Whitfield. Huh? John Wesley. Say it loud. John Wesley. John Wesley. Awesome. Who else? Think of some other uh, just really good... Even Charles Finney later was another great awakening in America. Uh, there was uh, uh, Jonathan Edwards... There's just so many people back in the day that was helped with the founding of this country by preaching God's Word, traveling over here from England and preaching here. So all that is part of Philadelphia. All right, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, 
He that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. So what Jesus opens is open, what he shuts is shut. I know thy work. So he opened up, uh, let me read this next verse. I know thy works, behold, I have set before thee an open door. And no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. So, Jesus opened up the door for this country. As we, were, we developed this country, our founding fathers and the people who, who moved here and started this country, they felt like they were blessed by God to come to this land to be free, to worship Him, and they thought of themselves as that city on a hill that was, was shining their light. And that's why so many people have been drawn to this country over the years. People come. They just keep coming. Because we are a city with a light, you know, a light, lighted city on a hill, and it's drawing people. But that's, those lights are starting to go out. <clears throat> and that's because we're in the Laodicean church age. So I... So we're, we're pretty much out of time. So I'm just going to, you know, Philadelphia, you can finish reading this up. Philadelphia, that's that church age that came after Reformation, which was back in the 1500s. And then you get into the, the 1700s, 1800s, that's when all the Great Awakenings happened. Philadelphia takes us right up to modern times, which is the uh, Church of Laodicea. And I talked about that, uh, the lukewarm. He wishes that we were either hot or cold, uh, cold or hot. And he says, because you're not either one, I will spew you out of my mouth. That's, th- that's the state that the church is in today. We're neither hot nor cold. We're just trying to get along with everybody. Yeah, we're just, just, let's just get in the middle here, and then we won't make anybody mad, and we might build a big church. And he gives he's gotten us in trouble. By being that way, so in this, in the actual place of Laodicea, they had no water there. Back back when this was written, back when everybody would have known what Laodicea was, they had no water there, and they had to build these aqueducts that were built above the ground, and they built these aqueducts, and they took them over to where a spring was, and it was some of the best water cool water coming out of the spring. But by the time it ran all the way through that aqueduct and got to the city, it was lukewarm. And when people drank it, it caused them to gag. So when this was written, it would have really hit home with the people who knew about that. Back in Smyrna, the church of Smyrna, he, everybody was actually poor, but Jesus calls them rich. When Laodicea, everybody's rich, and Jesus says, you have nothing. And he, he says, uh, you need some eye solve so that you can see. And then the famous verse in 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. And that's, people will say that that's Jesus knocking on the door of your heart and all that. It really has nothing to do with that. 
It's, you know, in our church, this is all about churches. This is all about church age and where, where we're at. And we need to ask Jesus to come in. He's, he's, he wants to come in and fellowship with us. He wants to be here, but do we ask him to come in? We need to be a church that wants Jesus here. We're told at the high schools and this, you know, in the businesses, all these places, just don't say Jesus. You, it used to be, we yeah, you can pray, but just don't pray in the name of Jesus. Now it's just don't pray, period. We just keep pushing him out of everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that we do have ears that will be open, ears that will hear you. And Father, that we will have that eye solved that will heal our eyes that are blinded and that we will see your light. We will see what you want for us. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.